0: Hello everyone, this is episode 82 of the Inspired Energy podcast and in this episode I'm catching up with Minta Dahl from England. We have such an amazing conversation about Minter's journey to being an engaging professional speaker on leadership, transformation and branding with a specialization in digital transformation, which he's been doing since 2009. In this conversation, we explore his 16-year career as a top exec at L'Oreal as a brand manager and executive for Redken. And we also talk about the work he does right now, working with different people uh, around leadership and change and creating engaging environments. Uh, We also start to talk about his new book, which is called You Lead, which comes out early 2021. So make sure you check that out. There's information on that on Minter's website. Uh, We also talk about how important it is about being yourself to be a better leader. Uh, He shares personal anecdotes as we break it down to a pro-personal-private framework to fine-tune that balance of being personal in a professional space. We also look for ways for leaders to be more human in everything they do in delivering results we share lots of stories and connect. And honestly, I can't wait to get Minta on the podcast again. I feel like there's so much we didn't touch on and there's going to be even more to talk about next time. Uh, definitely want to talk about uh, the books and the movie that he's produced um, as well. Uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot out of this conversation as with all of the Inspired Energy conversations. Lots of inspiration in this one for sure. Uh, if you get something out of it, of course, please always share it on LinkedIn, on social media, um, and tag Minta and myself and always use that hashtag inspired energy and just before we get into this conversation just a little warning this is a episode with some really raw conversation which has some adult language in there so there is that explicit language warning uh, that comes with this episode and if you don't mind that you will certainly get a great insight into leadership and change and making a difference in the world by being your true self. So I love your comments um, on this episode. Look forward to them. And um, here I go, catching up with Minta Dial. Minta, so glad to receive your message to come on the podcast and have a chat. And I've been reading all about what you've been doing these last few years, uh, your book, your movie, and what you do. And just starting to chat to you now about uh, your passions. I'm so excited about this conversation. Looking forward to sharing some of your knowledge and talking about your book that's coming out early next year as well. Uh, You've been quite busy because I know to write a book takes a a lot of time and energy. Um, Before we get into that, though, how are you um, right now at the end of 2020?
1: Thanks for having me on the show, Murray. And the answer to that is I, I think unapologetically uh tired. Mm. I I think that the 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 effort that is taken to transition, not to mention deal with the stuff, but what it's taken as a 56-year-old is is quite the you know, uh oh, I gotta get back on some kind of other treadmill, which requires other skills and another rhythm. And I like to say we we, I mean, basically the times are changing, sure, but I actually think time has changed, the way we evaluate time and, and how you live time and, and actually why are we living? And all this takes a weight. And I've I've not been the same type of energetic person I have. So I've had to intentionally look for other ways to generate energy, which used to come sort of somewhat naturally. Mm. That's where I am. I-
0: Uh, I was talking to someone the other day and I said, how are you feeling? And they said, I feel everything. Hmm. And and I echo that because right now I feel quite calm, quite relaxed, but also feel quite tired. I feel energetic to speak to you. I feel like 2020 has been a year of, we can put so many adjectives in front of that. And it is, yeah, there's a tiredness, but at the same time, I think there's a real reset about perspective and what's important. And um, I think you and I have a passion for connection and, and conversations and how that's coming back around, or I hope it is.
1: Well, I totally agree. And I'm going to say that part of my challenge is, is trying to figure out which conversations we're even allowed to have. Mm. Because not only do I feel like we're more divisive, I feel like there's a lot of things we're no longer allowed to say. And, and as such, that's a weight, and I, and I sort of look at that as being a problem, where we can trigger too often by saying anything out of context. And, and, so and, that's and
0: a- I was going to say, and to jump in, and that um, the need to be right and the need to be validated of a point of view, which confirms where you are, which then confirms and creates more divisiveness because I'm recruiting more people that think like I do versus Mm. having that different opinion and create some really constructive, you know, learning opportunities and connecting
1: opportunities. Yeah. Learning opportunities really, because bridging into other opinions and other perspectives can also be really enriching if you're open to it. So it's not about like, well, I'm right. You're wrong which is you're fighting and, and that's a energy, but it's sort of a Boolean energy. You mm. either win or you lose. And there's another energy which comes through building and constructing and learning and accepting that I'm wrong at times to reset, like you say, to come back and be stronger for it.
0: And what about all of the bits in between the, the right, the wrong, the yes, the no, along the spectrum of opinion? of it's not exactly what you're saying or exactly what I'm saying. It's what about, what about all those perspectives between those? Or as someone I met last year, Pete Holiday, a great guy. And he said to me, you know, what's the third answer? Hmm.
1: Now, well, I I feel like as we get more and more angry about Mm. things, we get more and more adamant and less open to listening and more black and white. And and this is the deal. I mean, really it's it's pretty much always depends like every good consultant, right? It depends, but it is in the nuance and it is in the context. And sometimes one word might be the wrong word but if it were said in 1820, well, that was the context. And we should study the history around which it was said in that context and not feel like that too needs to be thrown out. It does, In today's world, yeah, that, that wouldn't be good, but we, we should be able to understand in different contexts, different things. So I, I use sort of an, uh, the exaggerated historical references, but out of context, you can say something, and for example, on, on social media, and it can be ripped out like, well, you didn't do the right hashtag. Huh.
0: Yeah, what happens about being human? And, you know, we we don't get it right all the time and we're making thousands of decisions every day and to put those expectations on someone with the words they use, the way they might frame something up or explain something or explain how they're feeling or sharing something on social media, that it needs to be perfect all the time. And it's never mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. I've had both my feet jammed in my mouth a number of times and words still come out. Mm-hmm. It's about where do we have a bit of grace and kindness for each other
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know this leads to your new book doesn't it, around how do we actually or even empathy and you talk so much about your last book about that about how important empathy is so how, how do you think we get back to that place of more empathy and kindness
1: mm. well so i i think we're we're destined to have lots of badness because the human being has bad and good And I mean, you've seen in the pandemic, lots of amazing things happen, but you've also seen a whole lot of shit Mm. and, and, uh, and cyber hacking recently, my sister's hospital, she works in Baltimore in cardiopulmonary critical care. And uh, her hospital has been attacked just recently with ransomware. So these are some buggers who want to get some money out of a hospital. Yikes. Anyway, so I think that's a reality.
0: I I heard on um, a, uh, it was actually a short podcast series last year where this similar thing happened with a council in the UK.
1: Oh, yeah, I heard that one too, I think. Yeah,
0: and and these are just the ones we hear about. There's all the other ones, of course, that are happening, which we don't know about. But again, as you're saying, these things that are, are coming out of society, Again, a complete opposite to empathy and compassion and appreciation.
1: So the so the so the, that was just sort of just a table stakes it as in we've got shit to deal with and, mm. and shit will always happen. And and I think that's also part of it. So I, I tend personally to put try to put things so I think the the answer to it has to be, well, I'm gonna start with how I'm gonna deal with it. Because I'm not gonna be able to fix the world. But if I can at least model the behavior and, and and figure out my path then maybe that's 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 a way for it there's nothing worse than being like the guy who talks about empathy but not being empathic and which is an interesting challenge when you write about this stuff and so i i actually want to practice self-empathy and also mm. want to be walking the talk so if i don't feel well I should be able to say I don't feel well. It doesn't mean any lesser thing. I'm gonna tell you a funny thing. I mean, I was brought up a stiff upper lip, rugby player, 18 years, and you don't bring emotions. You don't show bad emotions anyway. And, um, And I remember the first time I cried in public, which I completely didn't expect, on top of which it was for a really prestigious audience around about maybe 60 or 80 journalists mm-hmm. and rather well-known people. So I had stress involved and this was not the time to break down. And of course, the first thing I thought about was, oh shit, I can't, oh, what, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry, uh, you know, uh, and I, I was sobbing, it's like got a, worse.
0: The, the shame for the showing of the emotion.
1: Oh God! It was mm. just—I was like, "Oh, this is this is disaster." So I sort of then then they started clapping. I was very nice. I'm like, "All right, they're being nice to me and generous. Cool, all right?" But that's still—I that was a fuck up. Okay. Then I get back on the track, and then right, I'll focus in on what I got to say. And anyway, I remember at the end, um, sort of wondering how sheepishly, wondering how it's going to happen. And um, one of the journalists came up and hugged me. And, and certainly didn't look like he was thinking I was any worse for it Mm. anyway. So, so, so back to the answer is how do you, how do you get through this? Well, I have sort of committed to making sure that I visibly for myself do things which are important according to my language every day. And if I can show that it doesn't need to be a dictatorship of purpose, Like it doesn't need to be a tyranny of empathy either, but if I can make sure that I'm doing some things that are important that are bringing me back energy, then, then I'm tapping into something that's bigger and hopefully that's what we all can do a little bit more of ourselves.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking about the other part of your story of through you showing your emotion as much as in the moment you felt exposed and vulnerable and shame and all of that, but that created a space for that journalist to give you a hug for him to show, I assume him, sorry, emotion, emotion as well. And, you know, the, the, the space you create through that um, moment. And as you talk about walking the talk in those future moments of I'm showing up with my true emotions and empathy, then that creates a space for others to do that as well.
1: And I, and I'm still learning Yeah. because Murray, the other day I was interviewed by a journalist and I got my guard up because I was taught, my experience showed me that if you let too much out or didn't say the right thing on the record, off the record, you could get screwed, burned. Yeah. That's how it goes. And so I, I brought a, I brought in my shield and, uh, mm. at least, you know, my, <laughs> tried to be, I was trying to save good things. Right. Murray. But I was, I know that I was, you know, careful around the edges. And, um, and then we ended up having one of them, this journalist revealed to me some deepest secrets. I found how extraordinary, I came into this thinking I should be guarded and the journalist opened up to me. Mm. And it was with no other bad malicious intent, but by goodness, we, had a, we added on an extra hour to our conversation. Talking about life and shit, and it just and we 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 ended with high energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, as that journalist opened up to you, that shield that you brought in, how quickly that drop? Yeah, that oh, threw it away. It,
1: it, I mean, and I, then I was revealing my stuff, and yeah. and the stories beget stories, but if they're real stories, not like just cosmetic or commercial stories that we, you know, like storytelling, oh yeah, it's really great storytelling. But so many people don't tap into something that's real within the story. When you're running a company, you do the story, the founder's story, well, it's not me, the founder, but you know, I'll tell the story and I try to usurp or at least own it somehow, but I don't link into it on a personal level.
0: Mm.
1: And and, and that has, there are two problems to that. One is people know that it's not genuine. And two, you're going to bore yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm telling this fucking story all over again. Yeah. Oh, and where's my energy? So, so somehow with storytelling in general, it's the ability to go into who you really are in a professional space where I'm going to tell you some shit that you, know, you would imagine to be the stuff I tell you at a bar over a couple of scotches. I mean, that's, that's how it used to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: I well, think, you don't I, I need I think the
0: yeah. Well, I, I think about the the cowboys sitting around the campfire sharing stories, or people at the end of the harvest sitting around chatting, or uh, prior to mobile phones, smartphones sitting around the the lunchroom. I actually I worked for a vineyard when I mm. first finished studying, and I was working in the laboratory and. Uh, it was in the, the the picking season, and we had um, people from Italy, France, England, and parts of Australia. And I think we paid something silly, like three or four dollars a day, or five dollars a day. I can't remember. And, and but for that, you got a a home cooked hot meal, and we would sit around the table, play euchre, and chat. Not a phone to be seen. Mm-hmm. And and that was connection. That was opening up. That was, ah, this is what life is like for me. And that, that, and now, you know, bloody phones and plus everything else of all the challenges of being real and vulnerable and open, we've got the shields up.
1: So there's two things. There's one is this notion of the image. And Mm. I got, I have to Instagram me. And as I was chatting with another friend, he says, well, you know, or there's a t-shirt that says, you know, I, I, I love the life of my Instagram profile Ooh, too bad. Yeah. It's not mine. <laughs> yeah. And the second thing is this re- relationship with time and, you know, time is money and we've sort of lost our ability to zero in on now, but why, what are we doing this for? And, and so what's next and, you know, I got a next meeting pop, 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 pop. So this, So right now, I kind of in this pandemic-y mode, there's been enough of us needing to sit around and we're not commuting to work anymore. Mm We've got one and a half hours extra or two hours per day. And and enough of us are finally thinking a a little bit more about why we're all about, but yet we're still in the, you know I think we've been programmed now with rush, 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 efficiencies, productivity, and, and get onto my next thing, as opposed to just saying, hey, the chat, the yuka, the moment is actually what this is about.
0: Yeah. Uh, and as you talk to me about that, I think about the leaders I've met in my career or the leaders I've had the privilege to work with. And when you talk to them, they are fully present. Mm. They're here in the now and I'm listening and I'm not listening to, to add a perspective, but I'm just listening to really connect and understand And that makes a difference in someone's life. Mm. Um, A funny story. I was in Sydney uh, two weeks ago. I've ordered my coffee. I'm standing up waiting for my my morning drug addiction. And someone else had ordered their coffee and he's standing the the requisite um, 1.5 meters away. And he sneezes. And he looks at me and says, oh, oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I said, mate, no, it's okay. Bless you. And he looked at me with nearly tears in his eyes. (laughs) And for me, it was an automatic reaction of bless you. But he's like, oh, 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 thank you so much. And we had a smile and got our coffees, went on our way. But I just, I thought that that connection has become a, a even bigger need right now and has been
1: even harder at the same time mm. well i i um, <laughs> i didn't sneeze but i i i was behind a young woman in a store and i was looking in the row and the 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 items right in front of her and i leaned in because i didn't have my eyes my um, glasses on and she said excuse me like, so kind of the opposite and i feel mm. like there's a lot of the opposite based on fear, which is so easy to run into. And this idea of hope and, and generosity, you know, to, to strangers, God forbid, they're going to kill me. Uh, uh, this, this idea that you mentioned just now about um, being present. Mm. I, I, I can't put my finger on it, but there is something around how big leaders they have this thing called charm and i think that the best description of that charm is making me feel like they're only listening to me yeah yeah it it's like this idea that when you when you have a conversation with somebody and you spend all the time listening right and they say oh you're really you're really excellent you're really interesting oh well, so uh,
0: great <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I, and I would even add, if I may, add to this: it's the leader that, or the person that makes you feel like you're the most important person right now. That there exactly. isn't something else more important right now. That I need to rush you. I need to get to, or my phone, or bloody whatever else. It is right now. You're the most important thing right now,
1: despite the fact that they are the big swinging dick. They're the big moolah. They're the yeah, yeah, they're the big yeah. kahuna. And they're wait wait they're they're talking to me mm. and they're mm. really focused and they aren't looking at their watch they aren't looking around and thinking about who's looking at them they're actually crap that is real charm and I had this um in my when I ran Redkin for for L'Oreal or part of the L'Oreal brand um, there was a woman in my team called Anne Mincy and I'm going to call her out she's probably going to. Call me and say you shouldn't do that. But um, Anne was really the unofficial director of love. She made anybody who was in her sphere feel like they weld all the time. Yeah. Up and down the hierarchy, in every country, didn't matter. She was there. Good lord. That was a real lesson. And I, and on top of that, she was just brilliant at what she was doing and, and she just made the world a better place all the time. Good Lord. Yeah. Um,
0: Can I ask what did Anne do? So if you were to walk past Anne, what is she doing? What is she saying, which demonstrated and created that love and that appreciation?
1: Oh, well, so we had a few mania. So, um, well, outside of the fact that I had a lot of complicity with Anne. Uh, and so, let's say if I ran into Anne, there was no way I wasn't going to say hello. Mm-hmm. But on balance, we had a few little habits in our group. And one of them was the Redkin hug. Uh huh. And we even had a Redkin handshake. And, um, and both of them involved love. So, you know, possibly happens in Australia, but in America, when we hug, we tend to do it, it likes a triangle. We get as little close to we as you can. You put the arms around you tap, 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 and you move away as if, yeah. you know, that didn't happen. And oh yeah. Good with, with, the,
0: with the groins pushed out as far as possible. That's it. That's the triangle.
1: Yeah. Well, the redkin hug, beautifully and systematically implemented by Annie, was a seven-second full-on, full-body contact hug. So can I
0: ask, was it always heart-to-heart? Heart? Because that's something oh. I've learned as well.
1: Well, sure. And, and so more or less. I mean, this, there's not real science because it takes proper methods, but the real science says it's supposed to be more like 20 seconds. But our, our story, and that's, that's also mm-hmm. part of, I would say, reality and being pragmatic, is that seven seconds was long enough to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And the idea behind the length of that study is that your heartbeats start to synchronize.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and-, and then so then we're in heart, we're, la- we're in the love land for that reason.
0: Well, again, that links back to, I think, some of our earlier comments about pausing, being present caring about the person you're you're with. And I, I invite everyone out there, next time they hug someone, think about actually being really present and actually doing it for seven seconds, not two seconds, and you will notice the difference.
1: Oh, God, yes. There's this uncomfortable element. And and I, I had to update this because I, I talk about it in my book, because me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And and so you now need to be more in a permission mode. Can I give you a hug? <laughs> it's almost like, can I give you an uncomfortable, possibly, you know, sexual harassment type of hug? Is that okay? Cause I mean, if I don't do that in certain legislative minds, that can go poorly. But at the time it was pre me too. And of course, the good news or the real important thing is the intention. Yeah, and yeah. if the intention is malevolent, then it's never good. But we would do man to man, woman to woman, and woman to man, and it was okay. Mm. But that's yeah. part of our culture.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. So there's there's intention, there's culture, there's permission, that all are very valid and all have, need to be considered. And and again, it's not male, female, or any other gender that you um, identify with. Um, I know, for example, when I call out my friend, Pete Smith, who I've had a, a great friendship with for many years. And when I see him, he stops, he looks at me, he says, hug heart to heart. And we hold each other for seven seconds must be because it starts to feel a bit. Okay. We've, we've had long enough, but I do feel that connection. And he, he does that every time.
1: Well, the, 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 way I like to do it is two big uh, breaths. Yeah. Because the first ones were like you caught short, and then the second one, mm. then it started rolling in. We had the handshake. I wanted to mention it too, because you know sometimes the hug wasn't quite practical, and we had, did have a lot of French bosses that weren't part of the Redkin culture, and um, and yet so I that's when I sort of did my let's say the the lightest version, because you know you have to be pragmatic. Yeah, and um, imagine you you have a meeting with a hundred people. It's going to take a long time to start the meeting <laughs> yeah. if everybody has to hug everybody for seven seconds. All right. So, you know, we're not that silly. So we would have a handshake, though. The idea of the handshake was that the, the V in between the, the thumb and the index finger should meet. Uh, you know, I would call it like a regular rugby handshake. In, in, and I hope that doesn't diss off other people, but that's really what it is. It's a thorough handshake. Mm-hmm. And the idea where the Vs were to meet. And the story in my mind was that those, that's where the chakra of the heart is. It's not actually true, but that's sort of the story that I wanted was that our hearts should meet through the V in our hands.
0: Well, what I'm thinking too is that the, again, it's about intention. So if my intention is to just lightly touch fingers, but, or am I trying to really connect with each other in that You yeah, With the palms, yeah. yeah. So there's a yeah. good intention there. Well, I, I'm wondering if you've seen this and I have seen this. And um, to be honest, I've done it before, but you've reminded me to do it again more often. And that is at the start of a meeting or a start of a session. Let's all just stop and take a few breaths together. Mm. So we don't need to physically touch but let's just stop and breathe in and out two or three times to get us centered and present. And even that sort of uh, alignment in our breathing has a connection as well.
1: Of course, my mind is just flying right back into rooms where that just, just wouldn't be happening. You know, like, wait wait a second. All right. Get off your little wooby. you know, that's just a little bit too woo-woo for me. And I think that's a lot of people. And, and the challenge is creating that environment, that culture. Mm. And so if you're the minion on the team, it's going to be difficult for you to bring in that moment. If you're the CEO, it's another thing. Yeah. But do you, have the, do you have the courage to do it? Do you have the, the chutzpah at some level to do mm. it? Because you're going to have a few people in there still looking at you like, you know, you're the new CEO. Wait, wait a second. Who is this guy?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That, there's always that. You know, and I, I remember when I came in, I was the youngest member of the C-suite. And I, so I knew that I had to sort of earn my place. So doing that kind of shit, that just, just doesn't cut it. So you have to earn the space and create it. And so it's, it's, it's nice to say when you and I get it, we might then deliberately do that and it's sort of it it's it's not it's consensual i mean really we've got it yeah the the challenge is creating it when it's not there mm. and just doing it and you've had a big fight and then you're just gonna say breathe you know fuck you
0: yeah yeah, yeah we well, haven't
1: sorted out the hard stuff yet
0: yeah there's a there's an element there of again awareness of when's the right time to to do things and, and you learn from those you know mistakes of when uh, hey, this wasn't the right time to do that. Um, I'm thinking when you talk about leadership and leaders, you know, having that um, authority cue to do those things, but also how leaders need to be followers to create a space where people can try these things or do something else, whatever it might be, suggest an idea, a change, an improvement, um, you know, we could go on, but how leaders are also followers to go, okay, Mint has brought this to the meeting. Let, let's, let's support that. Let's explore that. And that's well, a critical role. I,
1: it is I, the word that comes to my mind, which um, is a wonderful word in French, which, but it's to experiment mm-hmm. because the idea of experimenting means I don't actually know it before. I'm going to try something new. And, uh, and and in French, the, the word to uh, experiment also means to experience. And multi quelque chose means to experience something. Mm. You might think it means to experiment something. But that idea of experiment, doing it, and not intellectually reading about meditation, but actually meditating, yeah. or you know so this this idea of doing shit that's new where you're uncomfortable i don't know if it's going to work i don't believe in this stuff and you've got to give you a chance to try it out yeah so that there's a sense of ooh, i may look silly am i okay with that i i i need to learn from other people to be working in the middle of it
0: and do we have a psychological safe culture where it's okay to look silly
1: yeah what well, if you got people gunning for you yeah you know there are many cultures where that still is the case and and okay that's fine competition is fine mm-hmm. then the other thing really to think about is 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 how do you galvanize people to change with you so you might change but then it doesn't necessarily mean just because you're the ceo everyone's going to do it with integrity they might say yeah, yeah yes yes sir you know boss you must you you're the highest paid person in the room i'm gonna yeah you, everything you say is golden but that's that's not a proper place to be and and then thinking through as you, you know you have naysayers in your team how do you convince them to be participating how do you make them convert them from being a naysayer to a truth-sayer, someone who's part of your gig. And, and these are easy things to say, but it's really much harder to do. And I think you need to be somewhat smart about the approaches and, and layering in and figuring out. You have to understand that it's all about relationships. Mm. And so you're coming in, you're leading, you've got three or four people who are not quite sure about you. How are you gonna convince them? Well, this is, this, this is part of the real challenge of leadership. And when
0: you reflect on your time back in, you know, leading the brand uh, of Redken and and in that C-suite, um, what really helped you bring people on that journey when you were trying to bring them
1: along on something? What really worked for you? So there are two things. The one worked really well and one didn't work as well. The thing that worked really well was when I I cottoned on to the mission of the purpose of Redkin, and it just light bulb fucking oh my god this is brilliant.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: It wasn't writing on a wall; it was the genuine article. I was like oh my god this is, I've Kool Aid. I'd I dipped my tongue in big L- acid D, LSD, and this was the long trip. And, so and what, what, why did that connect with you so much? What was it? Well, so, well, there's a couple of reasons for that. And the, the there's, so first of all, it was a really legitimate, bona fide, interesting mission, which is to earn a better living, live a better life. Mm-hmm. And, and that that seemed like, well, it's pragmatic. We need to make money. That's okay. So that feels very American, very genuine to that regard. And living a better life, well, shit, we need to do that yeah and I thought about that in the United States, but pretty much everywhere in different ways, the challenge of living a better life but the the context within which that that light bulb came to me was also I was running the brand through the september 11, 2001 situation and so i mean there's a that was a whole i don't want to say too many swear words. But that was a fuckfest of a week yeah,
0: for me. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah.
1: Because I'm running a brand. It's called Redkin Fifth Avenue, New York City. My mm. office is, my corner office overlook the Twin Towers. I see the first explosion. I watch the second airplane fly down, around, and in. Four friends are killed. And I have my father visiting me. I hadn't seen him in two years the night before. And mm. we didn't have a, we had a fine time, but not a good time. Yeah. And if the plane's canceled, he has to come back. And on the morning of the 13th of September, amongst the things that went down that week, I had one telephone call, which really was a gut buster,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where I had to call our retoucher, who was in New Jersey. And it was up to me to call him. Because our all our photographs for 2002, all the campaigns had been in a server underneath tower number seven, which at 2:30 collapses, destroys all the servers, and presumably yeah. other documents and other stories. But all of our images needed, which were digital, had to we had to go back to the backup server and then retouch all our photographs, which meant making all the girls prettier than they look like and all that sort of stuff. And two of my campaigns at the twin towers in the background yeah wow so my retoucher is living in a town where approximately 100 people are missing yep he knows people who are mm. missing and i ask him to retouch out of two of the campaigns the world trade towers So the vocabulary is, well, I just make them so I don't recognize them. And he asked me, so what floor do you want me to rub them out to? Oh, wow. Yeah. So there I am thinking, fuck now, is is this what selling shampoos is about? Yeah, yeah. So, and I wasn't of course, the only person to have these type of feelings and many people around the world had a extraordinary experience. There were other things going on for me in that week, but um, that was a pretty big light bulb moment. So when I come back to the mission of living a better life, earning a better living, I want hairdressers to earn a better living. Why do I want them to earn a better living? Because it's really tough being an entrepreneur, being a creative, running books, making everybody else happy. Cause that's what they do. That's their job to make us look good and feel happy, especially, you know, let's see, my mother-in-law, that kind of profile. And so if they can stay in business, that's cool. If they can feel confident and they can live a better life, then they're going to make other people feel a better life.
0: Mm.
1: And, and then there was actually, then the mission became, well, we actually all need that as people within the company. And anyway, that's, that was when my light bulb went on. I said, well, that, far more important than selling one more bloody bottle of shampoo. Yeah. This is what I got latched onto.
0: I think when you work for a company and you connect with that values purpose statement and it goes beyond your professional life. Because that statement you can apply it anywhere in your life. Mm. Earn a better living, live a better life. I can see how that can create conversation reflection and drive in all areas of your life. Um, the second one, when I think about that and I think about that reflection from you and the heaviness of that, I can f- sense, if I'm sensing correctly, that there's some um, um, reflection of I could have done that def- differently and better in that moment.
1: Oh, my goodness. I Actually, I walked into it, right? I yeah. stumbled into that thought. Mm. And it just, you know, I was trying to be pragmatic. I had to get an airplane on the 15th of September, which was a, um, a CEO had called me up and said, you need to come to Paris. I have to come to Paris? Now? Yes, sir. Yeah. Now. Yeah, that's it. I've got a plane. I've hired a private Learjet or whatever it was for you. It's at ISLIP and you need to take it and uh, you're going to come over. So uh, I was like, oh my gosh, all right. And then I, that means this, things are happening. I've got to get back on the tracks and stop whinging around, I've got to, I've got to move in. So I was sort of got, my, got back on the tracks and tried to figure out how to make things happen. And, um, and then you had to see me on the airplane. Instead of, um, so we usually were 14 people delivering a two hour, 15, two hour, 30 minute speech. That was to happen on the 18th of September. And uh, so I had no one in my team coming, just me. Okay. Usually what I would do with the like the bookender and, you know, and thank the team and all that. No, 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 this was just me doing the whole thing. So I had to learn the whole spiel. And the way L'Oreal does things, is you have to learn everything backwards. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to learn all this on the airplane. My team had briefed me and you know, talk about everything that they had planned because they were been planning that up until the 11th. And then to come in and tell rah, 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 this is how we're going to do the next three years business for my company. Uh, that was, this was a serious three days for me.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, how did it go?
1: Well, I, I remember being extemporaneous for the first five minutes. I was the only yank in the room
0: mm-hmm.
1: as yank as i i can be i certainly was the only person who'd seen the whole thing happen yeah. with my eyes and you have to understand that my wife was in hospital and my friend's wives or i'm in touch with them this is a tough and i've got to be talking about pnls and yeah, budgets yeah. and products and how this shampoo has a better silicon than the last year and, mm. and this is a beautiful girl who's been retouched i didn't want to tell them about the tower seven and so on you know i've given them the story but so the extemporaneous part sort of fell out of me and then i i did the rest and um i i i think i expressed some genuine emotion yeah but it was still I was crawling out of my cage. Yeah, yeah. Because I had been practicing this cage routine for ten years, and that's how I got to where I got to. Because I was good at in the cage, mm. and I I moved into it and slowly sort of grew into it. And I like this whole thing is not a light switch that actually turned on overnight. It's more like a dimmer. Yeah. Because it took me many years to really build into it and and then I got then I got promoted to other jobs and then then you had to find another way to connect into it because now I'm no longer running Redkin, I'm doing other stuff in another country and there's a whole nother gig and so adapting and <coughs> living through a new journey I don't know how did it go I, I learned so much uh, yeah. about it and, and I think how much and like you mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. There are plenty of fuck-ups within there. Mm.
0: Um, I, I reflect back on 9-11 and how it's one of those moments which I felt like whilst it was perceived differently around the world, there was still very much a connection that happened around the world. I remember mm-hmm. I was uh, at the time doing some work uh, late at night and the, on the TV screen saw the second plane. And I remember, you know, freaking out. What is happening? I was at the time working for Mars Incorporated, which is a global, New Jersey. Yep, global FMCG company. Um, and now I think about with COVID, it's another thing which is bringing people together collectively across the globe. And I think about how it links to some of our conversation today about connection and empathy, and uh, how these things as bad as they are, we've got to you know, step through to the next stage of how do we connect? How do we be more present? How do we be more empathetic for each other? Which I think hopefully leads us to, to talk a bit about your new book,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is well, all, You Lead, can, which is a great title.
1: Thank you. All I can say is that 9-11 didn't turn out well. So I'm hoping that we will learn some of these things. And I have a feeling that there's some fissures in the way we're going to come out of this in the form of a unilateralism and a lack of ability to have genuine disagreements in a civil manner. And so i I'm, that's my, my little parade, if you will. I'm hoping in little ways to, to continue to allow for us to disagree, including in the media, by the way, Yeah, that we should allow for us to have conversations that entertain that there's not only one way to look at this, just mm. like there isn't just one way to look at
0: 9-11. Yeah. And um, I think this is the, the you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not the first person to say this, the challenge of the busyness of today that we need to slow down and go deep in the conversation and not have mm-hmm. sound bites of information. 100%.
1: Yeah, so this is it. And you've got to be uh, capable of bringing your entire self into those moments. Mm. Feel when your heartbeat starts racing because um, I'm getting upset or I'm getting, um, uh, what's going on here? Which is maybe right, maybe wrong, but it is what it is. But feel yeah. what you're feeling. And, and then that's going to help you in the conversation we're having because you don't need to be jumping all over somebody. It's really only just a manifestation of how you're having a problem.
0: Yeah, and so tapping into those sensations, tapping into what's going on, and it, let's say we're doing that. What's next?
1: Hmm. Well, um, you need to be pragmatic. We need to do something. So I, I like the idea of being first. So we're being present. We're being who we are. Mm-hmm. Then we start to get the business going. Of course, if we were just to wind back a second and sort of do meta, you know, like there's that extraordinary, uh, the calendar of the world. And, you know, if the universe is a calendar, we're December 31st, and it's like a couple of minutes before midnight. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of a thing. So let's get a little bit meta about this. But where it, uh, what I, I think makes the how we do things later, work is if we've done the hard work up front. Mm. So we've got a mission, we have a purpose, we've decided that as a team, and this is how we're gonna express it. And this is, these are the things we're gonna to do towards that mission. It doesn't mean 100% of everything we're doing is doing it, but we have a, a general good idea of how we're gonna solve this, this mission and be the purpose we're talking about. Then the, the second area that needs to happen is within culture and the values and behaviors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So th- not only does that make the word that we talk about, integrity, family, or whatever word we have, be more specific to ours because there really only are 75 or so of different values. So, you know, that, that's stem picking. So the only way that becomes real is when you make it yours, so yeah. you identify them. And then you need to link those values, three, ideally, no more, to the purpose, and and if they gel, then you think you've got something that's, you now know where you're going, who you are, and why that's important to you. Then, still not doing the action plan, what we're gonna do in this meta calendar story I'm telling you about, you need to understand, are you prepared to pay the price to get to be this person? because it's gonna mean not doing other things. And in a concrete example of this was brilliant mm. and it wasn't mine at all. When we were at Redken with a great consultant called Howard Gutman and Pat, who is my sort of co-conspirator, we, we, said, we came up with the idea of how are we gonna, how are we gonna roll and make success for us within the L'Oreal group, within the industry. And we said, well, we, we really have ambition to make what we do better. Why? Because we're doing shit that's important. We're, we're allowing hairdressers to a about living and live a better life. So that's, that's pretty fucking cool. We're into yeah. that. All right. What do we need to do that? Well, we need to go into a space which means we may not be comfortable. Well, that means letting go of certain investments, certain product categories that we typically thought were like our cash cow, our regulars where we could count on them, where we anniversary every year, the same type of promotions. So we need to do things differently. Oh fuck. Well, what happens if it doesn't work? (laughs) Are we prepared to do what it takes Mm. to get to that? And we all had a, and the way we did it and Howard, I recall he said, what we're going to do, we have four product categories and we're going to invest 90% of our marketing on one.
0: So we're all in, we're all in
1: all in you know but you know and the categories we had two of them that weighed 30 percent each one was a little less and one was a little bit more afterwards yeah 90 percent we can't do that up in arms (laughs) fucking this doesn't make sense it
0: doesn't make sense when we run the numbers compared to numbers before this doesn't make sense we've got to split our investment across all four categories
1: let's be safer yeah yeah (laughs) So this was a very specific method of, are we sure we're prepared to pay the price?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now let's talk about our plan. So to your point, you know, right, now we we sort of, we, we've come to an agreement rather than, I mean, if you've done that work, then we can go to the action plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it makes so much easier sense what we should be doing, how we're going to do it, because we have agreed to all this other stuff that's harder.
0: Yeah. and, I think, unfortunately, what happens invariably too often is let's talk about what we're trying to achieve in our plan and now how we're going to work together to do
1: that. Right. Backwards.
0: It's backwards versus who do we want to be and are we aligned in our values, our approach, and what are we not going to do? I love that. Like, What can we let go of that's holding Mm. us back? Okay, let's get on the same agreement for that. And and I am thinking about your rugby days. Let's get our, our shit sorted in the change rooms uh, in, in the week before on our training before we take to the field.
1: I I recall, I, I remember dropping a catch. Uh, I was playing winger and and it'd been up and under, and I dropped the catch. Mm-hmm. And I I remember, oh my god, this I'm just that's I was mortified. And uh, my captain came over and he says, I'm sure you won't drop it again. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's cool. You're allowed to make a mistake. That's yeah. cool. And he, I'm still in touch with him. Yeah, I, I, I had the super highest respect for him. Simon Sudbury was his name. He lives in Belgium. He was faster, better than I was. But he had the generosity to allow, allow me off the hook.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and...
0: And I again, there's a piece here again around leadership, isn't there? Around when someone fails, when someone stuffs up, when they make a mistake, how do you really support them? Make it okay. But mm-hmm. and here's the thing maintain the self esteem to move forward. Because mm-hmm. I think there's too much of it where it's like, okay, you've made that mistake. I'm going to hammer you for that. And therefore, the self esteem is, you know. explicitly much lower than what it was. So there's how how motivated is the person going to be to move forward?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, you mentioned, I mentioned, I, you asked me before, how did it work or how do they get through and Mm -hmm. corral Mm -hmm. people? And I mentioned the good one, but there's a less good one where my, where I was attempting to get people on board because I really drew on my experience Uh and and so I, I, I was in France on the executive committee surrounded by older, only French. I mean, I have a French passport, so I, theoretically I'm also French, but I certainly didn't feel it. And I certainly didn't go to the schools that they'd gone to. And, and anyway, I was a young whippersnapper who just came in from North America. And, and something I learned in my first opportunity with L'Oréal in Paris was go out in the field talk and listen at their level whomever you're speaking with don't go in like pretentiously thinking it all needs to be manicured for me Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. not listening that's not right and so what i what i wanted to bring was my reality of being on the field with distributors with hairdressers with educators because we had a big group of educators and bring that in and that was my sort of my grounding. And, and, and frankly, it ends up being the thing I think was most important, which is our ability to listen in to customers, to the people who are at the coal mine, doing the stuff, not us highfalutin people sitting behind on leather chairs, drinking chic cappuccinos. Yeah. We, we, we lose touch with what's going on in our reality. So that was what I tried to do, but mm-hmm. it failed. And, and I wasn't able to garner them. I mean, and the, 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 the signature failure was digital. So I was, I had, they gave me eight different functions. I was in charge of eight different functions. And basically it was the, all the shit that they didn't want to deal with. Uh-huh. Everybody else had all the noble, really useful, good things in the L'Oreal world. And I had all this other shit, like, you know, health and safety, education, VIP asshole customers, you know, cause they keep on asking me and whinging about everything. And, um, and the thing called digital, you know, stupid, you know, anecdotal thing called face bookie.comie, comment like that. And, and you something, Uber. Um, and, and I was like, you know, but that's, that's really important. I, I, and I kept on trying to explain that it would be useful. Because I came from the United States and Canada, which at the time was actually the most penetrated country of Facebook in the world. Yeah, and I was like, "This is it. This is this is happening." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not important enough. No, I read about it. I'm like, "No, no, you got to do this stuff." And uh, when I left, L'Oreal had managed to peak at 0.9 percent of its marketing budget in digital in 2009. Wow. Yeah. And so the zero point nine compared to twenty five percent for the real people, mm-hmm. and the zero point nine broke down to being one third on servers, one third on updating websites for new products, yeah. and one third for innovation. So I knew I had not succeeded. In yeah, yeah,
0: I can I can see that, and, and and I no doubt know that it's a very different situation. You know eleven years later.
1: Oh that's true. but yeah. I at the time I, I was trying to yeah, you know yeah. push push, push and and get with the program and mm-hmm. and show why, but it was a you know I was barking up the wrong tree really as far as they're concerned.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's the the piece you mentioned earlier about story and telling stories and engaging the emotions and with something so new, it is hard, but it's it's what's going to get people on the journey for them to Mm -hmm. connect with the hearts and and with the minds where you need to, with some data, but with that heart around, okay, I can feel this is where it's going to go because there's a real story here. That's going to help us achieve what we're trying to achieve.
1: And, and you know, where I failed because my, my boss said, well, I mean, you've been blogging. Uh, I've been blogging. I started blogging in around 2005, 2006. So there I am. He said, well, you, you know, I want to do a blog too. Right. I said, well, that's great. Why do you want to do a blog? Oh, because uh, it's what you're supposed to do. I'm like, well, <clears throat> let's look at that again.
0: Mm-hmm, so we
1: mm-hmm. sort of strategize. And I remember this conversation. So while I was accompanied by a great, great guy called Eric uh, Blue. And um, we got to a point where we're going to explain, we're going to, there's a purpose to the blogging and we're going to think about the audience. and And what are we going to say? Well, we're going to say what I do. What do you mean? What, what do you mean? You're going to say what we do? Well, I'm going to uh, blog about the, my journeys or uh, where I'm going. Well, you now I think that's really not really very interesting. It'd be interesting to maybe talk about your thoughts and feelings, your experiences as you go around. Yeah. More than just matter-of-factly explaining what I do. Well, that is too personal. Huh? Mm-hmm. And 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 I, you know, imagine this. We spent something like I would say. 250,000 euros on his site which you could have done for zero yeah at the time on blogger.com which is what I was paying yeah. and i had more traffic on my little stupid little blog which i wasn't allowed to talk about or even have i had more traffic than he did on his quarter of a million euro baby wow anyway the point was i failed yeah. to get him into this path and maybe who was it for me i was maybe 15 years, 20 years, his junior, to explain this. But I did not manage to get, enroll him into this story.
0: So. Mm. Um, and at the same time, you were getting the, uh, the visits, the hits, the reads on your website through the stories you were telling in your blogs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, of course. With well, I mean,
1: by, by the way, I couldn't talk about the fact that I was working at L'Oreal, yeah, executive. And I, uh, so I would talk about things like rugger and things that I was genuinely passionate about, but didn't touch on anything professional. I wasn't allowed to do that. Uh, okay. Well, and,
0: and and to go back full circle on today's wonderful conversation, the power, the power, the importance, the realness of actually talking about this stuff, being vulnerable, opening up, mm-hmm. create space for connection. Mm-hmm. There's so much. I'm, you're coming back on my podcast, by the way. I've already decided ah. whether... It, whether you like it or not, you have to come back. Thank there's, you, Larry. there's more we need to talk about. Um, give us uh, an understanding about You Lead, your new book that comes out next year. And what's your hope for this book?
1: So, the title is You Lead How Being Yourself Makes You a Better Leader. And my thesis is there are two things which I would say are important one is a little bit drier, but necessary. And the mm-hmm. other is maybe sexier, but messy. Uh, so I'll start with the dry, which is that as much as you might wanna be you, you still need to recognize the freedoms that you can have because you might be working for a publicly traded company, not Mars privately, held, but publicly traded company. And there are certain governance issues that won't allow you to do everything you might wish to do. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand how you're operating, because that's the room within which you have to move. It doesn't mean you have to be false, or less you per se, but it it does need to be understood, because you just can't go in there and be a whippersnapper and cowboy, because that's what I want to do.
0: Yeah. Um, and pr- can I just say, and there's a bit that I that you may get to, but I know that this is something which I loved when you said this, this is about how to be personal in a professional space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: 100%. I just I I think it's even more important with all the Zoom, the remote working, the working from home, people showing up with their laundry drying in the background, whatever it might be, you still need to be professional.
1: Hundred percent, which is the second point. So the 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 I, I often talk about laundry because uh, the idea is you can go to work in a tie with a perfectly starched shirt. That's been well ironed. Mm -hmm. That's pro, right? That's you're looking sharp. You're looking good. You got a big meeting. We read books by covers. So let's be pragmatic. Yet do I think that of course, we're no longer wearing ties. There's space to wear the tie Mm die, which shows that I happen to be a fan of the grateful dead. So I followed them. I don't know if you know who they are, Murray, but uh, uh, yeah, I followed yes. them for 10 years of my life. I shake my bones, smoked some funny looking cigarettes and enjoyed 200 of these concerts. So the point is, I don't feel like I'm dis- dissonant. I can wear a tie and a tie dye. Yeah. But I'm not going to show you my dirty underwear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so the the concept is you have laundry you have the starch shirt you have the tie-dye that shows who i am but i'm not going to show you any further there are some things which just don't go yeah so because you if i don't tell you about the tie-dye i'm not telling you about me yeah so you need to be able to get into the kimono get off that starch shirt thing which you know, I'm buttoned down. I'm smart. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but at a certain level, a, you're not authentic, and two, you will burn out.
0: Yeah, and and three,
1: who are you really? Oh, of course. I mean, I mean, I mean, but I suppose that's the biggest work of all of this. Yeah. And 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 it's not like a destination. It's it's constant work. And mm. as you get older, you you do change. Your hormones change. Your relationships change. And and shit happens. And so it's not like I'm guaranteed to know who I am tomorrow. I, I still feel like I'm on a journey. And so you're right. That's part of, so I, I didn't start with the tie dye when I was at L'Oreal. It was me, I was falling the dead by then, but I wasn't wanting comfortable enough to bring it into the workspace. You know, telling people that I've taken LSD, uh, yeah, back then yeah. that was complicated. Yeah. But I am, I'm, I'm all in now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take LSD at work because that doesn't seem like it's a good idea just yet. No. Although I think there is space (laughs) for it. Microdosing and the more. But I'm going to be able to talk about it because it is me. I don't mind sweating. I don't mind looking like a fool. You know, there's like expression, dance like you're not being looked at. Oh, boy. I, I do not look good when I do that but I love it. And I've enjoyed that. And that's what's brought a smile to my face.
0: Yeah. um, So be you. And be you understanding about where you are, and who you're connecting Mm with. Mm -hmm. um, So be authentically you to a degree. So I think uh, Brene Brown talks about um, you know, with, through vulnerability. And I, I just actually listened to her conversation with Barack Obama yesterday. It's just fantastic. But she talks mm. about that with that vulnerability, that doesn't mean, you know, uh, live streaming, you're waxing. And when you're at the beautician, like there's yeah. a level of, of vulnerability, um, which, and when someone shows that vulnerability and maybe they overstep as a leader, how do you, you know, create that space to bring them back in and, and support them and help them
1: mm. well i like context is so important all mm, this i mean yeah. it depends on the relationship you have with that person already and so on and so forth i think um there are things not to do and and uh one of them is shaming people yeah that's so easy to do and i didn't have the time to sell t- take you off before i i'll the the little insight maybe is to explain how we used to have a 24 hour rule. So in our, in our values, we were accountable to one another. Mm -hmm. And as an expression of that, we said, well, if I don't agree with you, Murray, here's what's going to happen. You said something in that meeting yesterday morning, I disagree with you, uh, but I'm not going to disagree with you in the meeting, but within 24 hours, I'm going to have a call with you. And if I haven't made the effort to call you or speak to you in person, 24 hours goes, the idea goes. The issue yeah. is no longer.
0: I, I so, love that. I love
1: that. Mm. So so there's so let's say you and I had a confrontation in the meeting. Yeah. Or and, and for the sake of argument, you were pointing to me. I don't need to scold you or shame you there, but I do need to within 24 hours get to you and say, hey Murray, listen you know, the thing you said yesterday in the meeting or this morning, whatever, not good. This is why, this is how, and then how counts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I saw you were being fidgety. Maybe there's something else going on, you know, give, give room for that kind of an experience, especially in these days. But Mm. I think every day, Yeah. because we can have shitty days, bad sleep, uh, an argument with a spouse or whatever. And, yeah, that shit happens. And that has an impact on who we are. And we need to allow for that because, you know, want to be professional all the time? Yeah, sure. But, you know, sometimes personal stuff has a way of impacting you, whether it's your hormones or your relationships, mm. you know, a sad person in your family, you know, that that for sure gets you down and the bravado stuff can last for a while. But afterwards, it'll break down in the form of burnout.
0: Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, And and, uh, again, when you took us through a process of how you create that culture and those foundations for really working uh, as an inclusive team, there's a simple process that a team can just agree to. Hey, Mm -hmm. let's all agree that if we do have a disagreement, there's something that I don't quite like. There's something that we don't um, align with that we commit to closing that loop within 24
1: hours and 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 that it's the the challenge as i can recall it that was way the hell back Mm. is 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 either you dictate it or you co-opt it so in other words you allow for people to participate in the creation of your culture yeah because at some level you know i was thrown in i've Flown in from Paris, I become this—you know—the big boss, and I could go in with you know, well, this is how it's going to be because this is how I've done things, this is how I do things. Or you are flexible enough to figure out how you're going to allow for other people to tell you how to be, or at least how you to be within the context of this group, and so creating that type of culture, well. It's sensitive because I mean it depends on the situation, right? But mm. I'm being flown in. I'm, I'm, I, I was looked at like a spy, yeah, yeah, coming in from <laughs> Paris, even though I have a Yankee passport, and I, I thought that I was bona fide. Uh, uh-uh. I had to earn my stripes. Yeah. So when you're in there trying to create that culture, there was, there was not. What we tried to do was to establish together what we thought would be the ways to express that. So we did little workshops. This is what we think, this is where we should roll. And and also there's another interesting point is understanding how you want to be with your customers. Mm. Because a lot of people say we need to be customer centric, but a lot of people make a mistake of not aligning the way they are internally with the way they want to be with the customer. So they say, well, all right, it's really important that we get back to all our customers within 24 hours, no matter what. Okay, everyone agree? Oh, of course, you know, that's how we want to be. That's competitive advantage. All right, so just help me with a thing. Uh, The email I sent to you last week that you didn't reply to, where I was asking for some help with understanding the margin agreement we had with that customer
0: hmm mm, mm. so so uh, yeah are, are we walking the talk authentically internally as well um because yeah that then that opens up a really good conversation yeah
1: and, and in fact it, with well i mean for having lived this shit you know murray was it wasn't just about having a 24-hour rule within our communications right so this is now with regard to being customer centric yeah. because if you want to get back to a customer within 24 hours that actually means depending on the business you're in you mm. kind of have to have a six hour rule because my you're i'm going to send you that message about the margin for the customer and i'm going to write I'm going to say yes Eh, it's gonna take some time. Then I get back within 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so it's not just walk the talk, it's actually aligning your processes to what you're trying to achieve externally. And that's where things like empathy become really interesting because we say we want to be empathic with our customers because we want to be customer centric, we want to be in their shoes. Yeah, but are you in your salespeople's shoes? Yeah. Are you are you familiar with what their shit's like? Because just yeah. ordering them to do it to make be empathic, you shit. I'm going to whip your ass until you're empathic with the customer. Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh,
0: and I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm going to force you to have fun. I'm going to force you to be empathetic. Yes, and and oh, yeah. yeah, that's that's going to to um definitely not work. But unfortunately, it does exist in some areas um at the moment. I think, in some old-style leadership approaches.
1: Well, and, and frankly, the, the truth is I've seen old people do well and young people live that kind of life, too. Because mm. these younger people, and I, I look at people who are, are hamstrung and stressed, and it's very easy to fall back onto these Pavlovian-style fears and and whip it in because it's quicker to say what I do. Yeah. Working, listening to what you have to. Fuck, I don't have time for that. Ah,
0: but that listening is vulnerability. Oh yes, it is. Because mm. I, I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to tell you what to do, and I want to find out from you how you think we should do it. How are we going to yeah, make this a, work? Yeah, it,
1: and it takes just getting off a little bit the high horse yeah. to say I don't know at all. How can you help me, you small minion? Back to the charm we were mentioning at the very beginning of our chat if you can have that ability and actually the genuineness Mm. to want to listen and learn from the others, oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. Um, Can I just say this has been fantastic, and it's been a a great, inspiring conversation. Uh, If I go back to the very start of the conversation, I think I was feeling a bit tired. You were a little as well. I actually have more energy now, which is what inspired energy is all about. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your openness, vulnerability, uh, storytelling and sharing of knowledge and experience. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Lots of scar tissues in there. Thank you for allowing me to share, Murray.
0: Oh, no, they're they're, they're beautiful scars. Um, There's a lot of beauty in sharing those. Uh, I'll make sure there's a link to your new book um, and your website in our show notes. Um, because that book will be out early next year. And um, based on this conversation um, and what I've been reading about what you do, it's going to be fantastic and just what's needed right now as well. To wrap us up, please let us know what is your definition of inspired energy?
1: Inspired energy is knowing why. I exist. And I I sculpted this took me a while. But my whole thing is about elevating elegantly the debate and -hmm. connecting dots, people and ideas. And if I can do a bit of that, every day, that is how I get inspired energy.
0: I'm going to borrow that one. I'm going to quote you on that one. I love that a lot. Thank you so much, Minta. That is uh, a beautiful articulation of inspired energy. Um, Wishing you a wonderful, relaxing, resetting, connecting Christmas Uh, and all the best for 2021. But I'll be chatting to you again next year. I certainly hope so.
1: With pleasure, Murray. Thank you.